Is your money working as hard as it could be for your future? A decade ago, Robinhood changed the investment landscape when they pioneered commission-free stock trading. Today, they continue to offer innovative products to help users build a better financial future, like IRAs, ETFs, options for qualified traders, and much more. Take control of your financial future with Robinhood. Download the app or visit Robinhood.com to learn more. That's Robinhood.com. Disclosures. Investing involves risk. Other fees may apply. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIP. PC is a registered broker dealer. Good morning, Brew Daily Show. I'm Neil Fryman. And I'm Toby Howe. On today's pod, you might have noticed that filling up a tank of gas has gotten considerably more expensive. We'll discuss what's going on and a story on why you may want to travel to Tulsa instead of Tuscany. Then AI has come for the dating apps and promises everlasting happiness or at least more right swipes. Plus, is meme stock madness back? We'll let you know in our Stock of the Week, Dog of the Week section coming up in a bit. It's Friday, August 4th. Let's ride. All right, Toby, it is Friday, so I need to know, was it a fast week or a slow week? In other words, were you rushing or were you dragging? I was perfectly on tempo, Neil. No, today, uh, this week was a fast week. It's because uh, it's my girlfriend's birthday tomorrow. Okay. And so that has been like this weight that's been dragging me towards the end of the week. <laughs> Your we're, girlfriend's birthday is a weight. No, in a good way, though, because we're doing a field day in Central Park where we're so getting fun. a bunch of friends together, doing like egg toss, doing some events. So I'm really excited about that. That's the most you and I Celia know, birthday I, I can imagine. What about you? Uh, it was a fast week for me. Lots of work, lots of activities. If I were Gen Z, I'd say it's Giving Wednesday today. <laughs> you are Gen Z, Neil. The fact that you do this podcast with me, I'm rubbing off on you a little bit. All right, Neil, let's jump into our top story where we're talking about two A's again, but no, it's not America's credit rating or my middle school report card. It's just the first two letters of Apple and Amazon who reported earnings yesterday. Let's start with Apple, though, who reported its third straight quarter with a revenue decline. iPhone, Mac, and iPad sales all fell, but it wasn't all rotten. Apple's services business, which is the subscriptions you probably don't even know you're paying for, like Apple Music or Apple TV, jumped 8.2% year over year. Just some other rapid fire highlights from the call. Sales in China grew even as Apple tries to expand its, its supply chain outside of its borders. Tim Cook also casually mentioned that Apple has been working on generative AI for years because, of course, it has. Finally, demos for its new Vision Pro VR headset will start in Apple stores shortly. There was a lot in there, Neil. What do you think about this last quarter for Apple? I mean, the hardware sales is definitely a little alarming. It's the third straight quarter of declining uh, iPhone sales, which is not a good sign. But the services segment is really propping up the hardware segment, which is crazy to think about because I remember maybe 10 years ago, Apple launched this services business and everyone was like, what's going on? Aren't you a hardware company? And that looks so prescient now because Tim Cook and all of Apple executives know that there's only so many smartphones you can sell. There's only so many times you can throttle an iPhone where someone's like, all right, well, I guess I need a new one. So to move into the services area with payments and digital products, you get a subscription revenue. Mm -hmm. It's also much higher margin than hardware, it doubles up. You know, the, the margins on these things are 70% as opposed to hardware's 35%. So Apple, Apple is already extremely profitable because the iPhone is an extremely profitable product. And then you double the profit margins on that. It looks just like yeah. a great 
future-looking call to dive into services, and it's paying off in a big way. Yeah, this is what Tim Cook kind of hung his hat on at stepping into the post-Steve Jobs era. He's like, yes, we have to figure out how to monetize the existing body of hardware that we have out there in the world. And it looks like he's done it really well. Also, just picking up on another topic we've talked about on this podcast before, Apple's savings accounts, Apple Card savings accounts reached 10 billion in deposits, which we've talked about, like we're living in the golden age of gas, they're they're offering a uh, 4.1% yield on that savings account, so... I mean, everything Apple touches turns to gold, and there's $10 billion just sitting in those cash accounts gaining uh, yield right now. My headline number from this report is that Apple said it has 1 billion paid subscribers to its services. That is kind of an insane number. I know it sounds insane, and it is. That's more paid subscriptions. That's twice as many paid subscriptions as Disney+, Plus, Netflix, HBO, and Peloton combined. <laughs> They're so big. So yeah, you said you don't know you're paying for Apple services. Right. And I'm an Android guy. I was thinking to myself, like, do I even pay for Apple, any <laughs> Apple service? And I was like, I suppose so. I think I have Apple TV+. Plus. Meanwhile, speaking of that, Tim Cook dropped Messi's name. Oh, did he? On the yeah, call? yeah. He was like, Messi moving to Inter-Miami really helped us because Apple TV has a deal to uh, stream yeah. MLS games. So he, he did a messy name drop, and he's like, yeah, it was it was big for that's, us. That's Messi's second name drop because Palantir also, well, an analyst dropped it in, in reaction to Palantir. So Messi, man, he's just driving uh, earnings season right now. Um, okay, now let's move on, move on to Amazon. Amazon had its biggest earnings beat since Q4 of 2020 as some familiar business units stepped up to put the team on its back. Amazon Web Services was back to its old ways, growing 12% in Q2. As CEO Andy Jassy said, companies are starting to spend again after a period where economic uncertainty ate into profits. But a a more surprising star of the show was Amazon's advertising business, which grew 22%, which which grew at a faster rate than Google, whose ad revenue was just grew at a 3.2% rate, or Facebook's, which grew 12%. I feel like Amazon has definitely been benefiting from the soft landing that we spoke about yesterday. It's ads business business bounced back in a big way. Yeah, but also I think what's driving uh, Amazon's quarter was the core businesses of AWS and e-commerce, which... I don't know. Those, e-commerce is the, a very low-margin business that it gets that uses to bring in people to the ecosystem. But Andy Jassy looks real good. I know he looks really good because he was able to cut costs across the board. He, they stopped. He he came in a couple of years ago, and Bezos was doing all these <laughs> pet projects of expansions and building warehouses and doing all this kind of stuff that we talked about. Grocery yesterday, huge expansion, and Jassy was like. This is probably not all going to pan out. We need to cut costs. So he, you know, Zuck branded this year of efficiency, but really everyone was doing it. And Jassy pulled it off by reining in costs and also boosting revenue. But yeah, the uh, the ad business is super interesting. $10 billion a year is more annualized than YouTube makes. And it's more than the combined annual revenues of Snapchat and the New York Times. It's so So big. this is a beast. Yeah, Amazon's so big. And then also, yeah, we just to put a bow on it, AWS is always the star of the show. It accounted for 70% of Amazon's $7.7 billion operating profit. So it's literally like the e-commerce business like breaks even kind of, yeah. and then you layer on the AWS and the advertising, and that's where you get like the cherry on top. 
All right, so that that's the end on uh, big tech earnings. We got through it. Let's do it again in uh, next quarter. <laughs> next quarter. All right, uh, moving on. I really thought with the success of Barbenheimer, we were turning the page on sequels. But no, we are rehashing old IP once again with return of the high gas prices. No one asked for this. So yes, after a major dip over the winter and spring, gas prices reached their highest level of the year yesterday at $3.82 a gallon in the U.S. They've climbed more than 12% since July 1st as a result of higher oil prices. While filling up your tank is still much cheaper than last year's peak of $5 a gallon, prices are still quite elevated, and there are a couple factors driving your uh, gas bill higher. One is the heat waves. As anyone who's watched True Detective Season 1 knows, so many of our gas refineries are along the Gulf of Mexico and Texas and Louisiana. These refineries aren't equipped to do their job when temperatures are above 95 degrees, which they have been frequently down there this summer. Second is the Saudis. They're a major oil producer, and they simply don't want lower oil prices because lower oil prices means less money to spend on Ronaldo's teammates. So yesterday they announced they were extending their supply cuts through September and could make even more cuts on top of that. Econ 101 tells us that constrained supply in the market will drive prices higher. So it's a pretty gnarly one-two punch that's driving uh, higher gas prices. And if you want to talk about the one-two-three punch, we're also rolling into hurricane season two, peak hurricane season. And again, a lot of these oil refineries are right along the Gulf of Mexico. So if we get a particularly active hurricane season two, then that might impact gas prices even more. So yeah, there's a, there's a lot of punches coming to gas. It's not great because, uh, this is inflation. <laughs> I know, I know. Joe, like Joe Biden, must be so mad because I mean, there was a joke about it in the newsletter uh, that's coming out this morning, where a lot of people are going to start posting the picture of the gas pump, saying like, "Thanks a lot, Joe Biden," even though it's like heat waves, uh, OPEC, uh, and hurricanes that are actually driving gas prices higher. But yeah, it's it's just annoying too, as because gas price right. or, or gas uses kind of peaks in the summer too, as people are kind of driving to their their summer homes. It does seem like if the hurricane season doesn't pan out then gas prices will moderate so triple a what i don't know what you call it aaa triple a AAA, they yeah. put out uh they put out a report yesterday uh about gas prices because everyone was kind of wondering about what the future holds and they were like it, they very well could moderate because we are seeing you know refineries are coming back it's cooling down a little bit back there the big question is this hurricane season right. whether it's going to wipe out uh these refineries why did we put like critical I gas know. infrastructure right in the path of hurricanes and heat waves someone explained to me that i mean i know why because <laughs> it's right at the end of a shipping route at the end of the mississippi down there there, but either way. All right, so that's gas prices. Uh, I want to move on to travel. Uh, there's a fascinating trend happening in air travel right now. And to tell the full story, I have to go back a few years to COVID when if you wanted to travel, all you could do was stay in the U.S. So we took advantage. I found out that Fargo, North Dakota is a pretty cool place, and I almost died on a hike in Montana. You played golf until 11 p.m. in northern Michigan and also spent time in Seattle and Florida. But this summer, the borders have been flung open and people are leaving the U.S. for vacation. So much so that airlines focused on the domestic market are in a lot of pain. Over the past week and a half, a bunch of airlines that fly predominantly U.S. routes have warned of a major slowdown in domestic travel demand. I'm talking about the JetBlues and Alaska Airlines, the Southwest, Spirits, Frontiers of the World. They've all gotten crushed. 
And to incentivize people to stay in the country, they're slashing prices, running flight promotions. U.S. round-trip fares are down 11% compared to last year in 2019, according to Hopper.com. Honestly, I think the only reason anyone is flying within the U.S. right now is to see Beyonce and Taylor Swift. They are still... Oh, and to go to weddings like you. Yeah, driving the economy. I know. When I was reading this story, I was so mad, though, because... I have been flying domestically all summer and it's been so expensive. And I'm like, you bought them at the wrong time. I guess early. so, because yeah, all signs point to domestic travel, like not being that expensive, but I was, I was shaking my head. But one of my favorite stats is comparing uh, just luxury versus domestic nightly yeah. rates at, uh, yeah, international night, nightly rates at luxury hotels in Paris rose more than 22% in the first half of the year compared to luxury hotel rates in Orlando, Florida rose just 0.2%. Which is a hilarious comparison that we're comparing Paris to Orlando. But I know like all the theme parks are in Orlando, but it just made me laugh that we're the, the luxury market in Orlando is being compared to the luxury market right. in, in Paris. And there has been a slowdown. I mean, that's a real thing because there has been a slowdown in amusement parks. I mean, we know Disney World was kind of empty. Universal Six Flags, SeaWorld, they all said lower numbers this summer. And a huge factor is that people, I mean, when you're making a decision on a vacation, you do, you know, you weigh your options. Right. Like, should, am I going to go to SeaWorld or am I going to go to, you know, Lisbon or something like that? Or am I going to go to Paris? And after many years of or several years of being kind of held in the U.S. artificially, people are like, all right, well, I've been at Disney World the last couple of years. Like, yeah. maybe I'll go somewhere else to Europe or something. Yeah, I, I do hope that we get some sort of price race within the U.S. domestic airlines because, yeah, Southwest, Spirit, Frontier all have been holding promotions left and right. So maybe it'll be back to like the good old days of the, the millennial subsidized lifestyle and just some price cuts to get people flying again. That's what they're doing. All right, Neil, uh, great first half of the show. Before we jump into our next story, we're going to take a quick break. All right, Neil, it's time for our Friday segment, Stock of the Week, Dog of the Week, where we check in on one stock that has been a very good boy and one stock that ate your shoe and peed all over the floor. As always, we are just humble podcasters who get up way too early, not financial advisors. So please do take whatever we say with the biggest grain of salt imaginable. Neil, congratulations, man. You get to go first. What is our Stock of the Week? Thank you. Our Stock of the Week is the trucking company Yellow. Now, I never took uh, finance college, finance classes in college, but I'm generally of the understanding that if a company shuts down its operations, plans to file for bankruptcy, and lays off 30,000 people, then its stock shouldn't necessarily go up. But I forgot about memes. Shares of Yellow, the 99-year-old trucking company that went bust on Sunday, have shot up 500% over the past week in a run reminiscent of the meme stocks of 2021. And Yellow is not alone in this. Shares in several other struggling companies like Tupperware and Rite Aid have also soared in the past week or two. Our writer Molly compared this phenomenon to an artist or musician only getting famous after they're dead. And while that was a joke, I think it's kind of super insightful. Uh, you know, these days, warning you'll go bankrupt, at least in the case of Yellow and Tupperware, gives you kind of this notoriety among traders that makes you an attractive target for social media fueled stock surge. Yeah, it's so interesting how it worked once, like it worked with GameStop. And so now every time a company does go bankrupt or something like this, traders are like, listen, there's huge potential upside. Like I'll just splash a little bit on it. And 
a lot of people are thinking that way. And so it just drives the share price back up again. I just don't think we'll ever truly see the end of meme stocks now because mm. there's always that hope. There's always that hope deep down that a rally like this might happen. And if enough people think like that, it like manifests it into reality. It's crazy, though, that we're still seeing the vestiges of like the GameStop craze to this very day. The big thing here is Hertz. Hertz went bankrupt. This is Hertz is like the golden child of this. This is what all of these traders are hoping will happen. Hertz went bankrupt. And then in a financing deal that took it out of bankruptcy, somehow the shareholders got paid out. Mm-hmm. And normally the equity holders get paid out last and they get completely wiped out. But and the bondholders get paid first. But Hertz had this crazy deal for the shareholders, so they all made a lot of money. Yeah. And so everyone who piled into Hertz when it was bankrupt, and everyone, everyone said like, "Oh, you're meme traders, you're crazy." Uh, they all got handsomely uh, rewarded for that. So everyone's hoping that all of these other bankrupt companies will be the next Hertz, and there will be some miracle deal that happens yeah. that they somehow make money. And remember, Yellow got a seven hundred million dollar loan from the federal government in twenty twenty, and so. That resulted in taxpayers holding 30% of the outstanding stock of the company. So technically, like <laughs> U.S. U.S. public, like we as a tax-paying member of society, own a little bit of yellow. Or right yellow now. just wiped us all out. I know. I That's know. another way of looking at it. That, there's there's two sides to every coin. All right, Neil. Speaking of two sides, let's get to our dog of the week, which is the online marketplace Etsy. We've talked a lot about unions going on strike this summer, and it looks like Etsy could be facing a similar, albeit less official strike soon. Etsy has pissed off a bunch of their sellers by withholding their money for far longer than is feasible. The company has a policy which can freeze up to 75% of a creator's earnings in reserve for as long as 45 to 90 days, which if you're trying to run a business can send you into some dire financial straits. How are you supposed to buy supplies or pay your bills if the platform you sell on is holding your money for months on end? Etsy says it has the policy to help with refunds and chargeback, but sellers are still mad and are organizing a potential boycott. Etsy doesn't actually have a union, but there are over 1,200 members of an Etsy reserve strike group on Facebook right now who are threatening to leave the platform if the policy isn't changed. Overall, its stock dropped 13% yesterday, which is good enough to make it our dog of the week. Feels like... Etsy sellers are always on the verge of strike. I know. Right? There's so many <laughs> stories about them getting upset with the platform for whatever reason. Yeah. Um, Th- this gives me shades of Reddit too, where if you're running a platform business, like your number one goal should be to not make the people who use the platform mad. And so even if this policy makes a lot of sense, like from a business perspective for Etsy, if it rankles the community and makes them mad, then I don't think it's worth it. So I do think we'll see Etsy like roll it back in, in some, some yeah, ways going I think forward. they've made some concessions. All right. Uh, for our next story, Neil, it sits right at the confluence of Riz and AI. Matt's group, the owner of Tinder, said that it's testing out an AI photo selection feature to help users pick which photo of them holding a fish has a potential partner swooning the most. The AI will comb through your camera roll and pick the best pictures that will hopefully lead to a right swipe. Match Group is also launching a number of other initiatives that use AI to eliminate awkwardness from the online dating game. But Neil, do we think this is actually going to lead to more love or is it a way for Match Group to kind of cram AI into its earnings calls just so it can get it in on the fun? I think that uh, these dating apps have been using AI for 
years. That's literally how they show you what <laughs> match, you know, like I, I as a, I have a dating profile and I'm getting my, you know, uh, my matches and whatever hap whatever people say about me or swipe left or right, that's getting fed into a machine learning algorithm that's getting sent to a bunch of other people and, and decides which pool of, you know, potential other <laughs> other users I'm getting sent to. So they are they've been using AI for a long time. This is just more consumer facing mm -hmm. stuff. But I think it's a smart move. I mean, I you know, people don't like choosing no, or they don't know what pictures that they want to use. And a lot of times these prompts are yeah. Tough for a lot of people to to create. So I mean, there's a stat out there that says 20% of people are already using ChatGPT to to write their prompts. So I can see this being a huge hit for people who have a lot of fatigue with the online dating, and the, they're at the end of the day and they just finished their job, and they're like, "Damn, well, I have to open these apps," and it's like a whole other job to think of all these creative things to say. Yeah. So I can see them definitely using these AI tools. I think this is replacing the the friend that everyone just hands their phone to and says, "Hey, can you look at my dating?" profile and just like tell me how it looks because yeah the two like the biggest anxiety around online dating comes from like how funny is my bio does it reflect who i am like should it be funnier should it be more serious and so these bio writing tools i think are going to be very helpful and then yeah people have horrible taste when it comes to picking their own pictures and i would use that yeah i have no clue what picture yeah it literally, i'll help you out neil but Come think on, about send this the phone over okay but it goes through your entire photo album and selects pictures yeah i mean it's that, that's so efficient that's such a time saving mechanism yeah a little scary too if you think about it and that was my first thought when I heard like AI is becoming more and more involved with the online dating scene because now AI can generate pictures, it can generate a bio, it can talk to people. So I feel like catfishing and spammers and scammers are just going to become right. even more of an issue. So it is kind of like this Pandora's box thing where I think that the dating app industry really wants to embrace AI, but I'm not quite sure if they've thought through exactly where this leads to if you embrace it too much. I just think users will embrace it. Yeah, users will certainly embrace because it. There's it, always it's bad a clear actors use case. It's, it's, a, it's, a time it's a time saver. Yes, the bad actors thing will definitely proliferate. For eight, yeah. that won't be good. But eventually, yeah, we're gonna have algorithms dating algorithms. I know. It's, yeah, and then you'll, it, yeah, you'll it's just come in at the end for like the meet and greet face to face. All right. Uh, well, that's a fun story. We'll see what happens. I think it's pretty inevitable that you know AI takes over dating, whatever happens. Um, all right. Finally, I want to circle back to the superconductor claims that we talked about last week, because in the words of Ron Burgundy, that escalated quickly. Somehow, superconductors have become the viral sensation of the summer, and we have to recap all the wild developments that have happened in the past week. So, just to recap, last month, obscure South Korean scientists made the shocking claim that they produced a superconductor that works in room temperature and ambient pressure. This is the holy grail of physics, something people have been working on for 100 years. Finding a material that eliminates electrical resistance and doesn't require intense pressure or freezing temperatures would change all of our lives for the better. It's been credited with solving climate change, making floating trains feasible, producing medical breakthroughs. Anything that uses electricity would be in for a revolution in efficiency. So when this claim was made, scientists were extremely skeptical. And what do skeptical scientists do but try to replicate the experiment on their own? And so over the last week, social media has been buzzing with professionals and amateur superconductor hobbyists trying this DIY method of reproducing the South Korean breakthrough and have been publishing their work to the internet for people to validate. And never thought I'd say this, but it is a hot solid state physics summer. <laughs> Absolutely. I've been 
absolutely eating it up, but also eating it up from a perspective of like I'm reading these papers and I'm not quite sure what's going on. I'm just happy everyone is having a good time. But I do think that this is a prime example of what science should be in the modern era where you have a claim that is made and then a lot of people come forth and start trying to substantiate it or replicate it in public. Like this is, this feels like what social media should be for yeah. on, on some elemental level. And it's also coming at a great time too, because science has kind of been going through this replication crisis where a lot of very famous researchers like Stanford researchers have been fabricating data and like people have been having trouble replicating some of these supposed big breakthroughs. So I do think that this is a replication crisis happening in real time and it's just like a much healthier way to go about approaching science so i it, it's i'm fun. just happy to it's be there fun. it's so it's fun it's fun. so fun yeah. uh, it's kind of like a breath breath of fresh air on social media at a time when everyone's like twitter's dying it's, it's, and everything's bad blah, well, blah blah it's just also so so big if this does turn out to be true like right truly anything that electricity touches it like this is a leaps and bounds breakthrough. And so I do think that's why, like, even though it seems like niche science, this truly is like, we, we say, we toss around the term holy grail of physics a little too cavalierly. Like this truly would be like the, the, the biggest thing humanity has done since like fire basically. So <laughs> that's, that's, I'm putting my fist down right there. I don't know uh, if some physicist is going to come out and say, no, we've done a lot since fire, but th this is what it feels like. The best part is that it's so visual because to show that, your super, you know, you the material you've created as a superconductor is you have to make this substance levitate over a magnet. So you're everyone's just posting videos of this little rocky looking thing yeah. levitating. So it has this visual element. Everyone around the world is just trying to get a metal to <laughs> levitate, and I love it. Let's get in on it, Neil. Let's see. Let's try our hand at it. All right, we have to wrap it up there. I uh, hope everyone has a wonderful weekend. If you want to write in and say hi, our email is morningbrewdaily at morningbrew.com. Emily Milliron is our editor and producer. Samantha Velas and Raymond Liu are our associate producers. Also, I have to mention, it is Sam's birthday, so we got to wish a happy 23 to our sleigh queen. Would not want to spend the pre-dawn hours with anyone else. Happy birthday, Sam. Happy birthday, Sam. Uh, Yuchenawa Ogu is our technical director. Billy Menino is on audio. Hair and makeup left the country like every other American. Devin Emery is our chief content officer, and our show is a production of Morning Brew. Great show today, Neil. I wish you all well. 